Live from the Mecca Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where we are learning together how to walk in the faith in the age of fulfillment. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we need you, love you, and seek you. Thankful that you loved us so much, you gave us your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, and King, God with us, and pray that we will uh, uh, embrace... um, this gift, that truth, and walk by the Spirit. And uh, we just pray for Seth and Wendy and Mags and Mary and uh, and Larry, especially Wendy's stomach. She's had a rather upset stomach today. And so we pray for that. And we pray for all those people who are lonely and stuck in their houses during this time of quarantine. We pray that the world will heal. And uh, if it's your will, and if not, Lord, let us look to you in faith and trust Bless our viewers who are seeking for truth and forget the things I say which are wrong. In Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of things that are probably wrong, last week I offered 50 bucks to the person who calls themselves fire in the sky to come forward and reveal their identity. My opinion, based on their attitude toward me in the comments, was that they are a follower of Calvin. In other words, they're a Calvinist, and I would pay $50 if they came forward and said, I'm not a Calvinist. Uh, haven't heard any th- anything from him yet, uh, but the bet still stands. So if you can prove your fire in the sky and, and then you will say, I'm not a Calvinist, uh, then I will uh, pay that up. Why? Uh, why would I believe that that person was a Calvinist? Because their email was mean and mean-spirited and judgmental, and it was condemnatory, and it was founded on the same very traits that uh, most, not all, but most ardent, sold-out Calvinists have in their hearts, from my experience with them. It's a really interesting phenomenon, when you think about it, that happens with human beings. We really do become what we love. We become what we worship and adore and embrace and believe in and and follow. We become that thing. Isaiah talked about it when he uh, said, you know, you idolaters, you take a stump of wood, you carve it out and you make it a little idol and you give it eyes and ears. You use the chips of the wood that you carved it out with to warm yourself. And then you become like that thing you worship. You're blind and you're deaf, because that's your God. That's who you follow and worship. True dat. Uh, we had a saying in our house when the girls were young and, and impressionable, love the music, but don't become the music. And we said this because so many kids in junior high and high school, they go to bed listening to Depeche Mode, and they wake up wearing black. I mean, it's just like they automatically become this thing that they idolize. And this helped advance our girls uh, who really love music, but helped them to escape the trappings some of their peers fell into in becoming the music. Just as an interesting aside of that, our daughter Cassidy, the middle daughter, one time she tried to become the music and she painted her fingernails black. This was in high school. And she had the most flam, 
flamboyantly gay uh, volleyball coach who called her out and he saw those black fingernails on her and he said, oh, no, 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 not you. Other girls, fine, not you. Take it off. And, you know, I'm eternally grateful for his love and wisdom for our daughter because, you know, a coach that saw this and, and he himself, I mean, the guy dressed up in wigs and stuff on, on uh, social media. But in Cassidy, he said, you're not doing that. You're not going that way. And I really appreciate that as a dad. The Mormons are a fantastic example of the fruit from the original seed of Mormonism. Because, you know, Smith, he was a salesman. He liked money. He loved uh, um, power. And he loved women. And so you see all that kind of coming back out over the ages, the zeitgeist of Mormonism, you know, over and over again, you have these um, uh, archetypal uh, collective experiences rehearsing themselves through the history of Mormonism, even on down to Elizabeth Smart, that, that, that dude who Wendy knows, uh, going and kidnapping her and to making her one of his wives and as a young 14 year old or whatever she was, you know, these, these cycles. And I always used to say on the old TV show, uh, from the seed comes the tree from the tree comes the fruit and from the fruit comes the seed and on and on and on. And so the point is Calvinists are not one bit different. They become the God or they embrace in their soul the tenets of the God they worship. And in addition to the man Calvin who helped systematize those tenets. And why do I say that? Well, their God, and they will admit this, is a God who before he created people knew full well that he was going to only save some of them and he was going to put the rest of them into a literal eternal burning hell where they're screaming because of pain because they deserve it. That's their God. Now, if you set that God on your counter and you worship the tenets of that God, you're going to become like that God. And you're going to become unkind to people who don't think like you, who aren't one of the elect. You're going to become like the God that you love and worship and believe and adore. And that's why when I read that, I said, I'll bet 50 bucks this is a Calvinist. Because his words completely embodied the heart of what John Calvin had when he walked the earth. Uh, just listen to the debates or the radio shows or podcasts or whatever of a full-blown ardent Calvinist. And you'll probably see uh, what I'm talking about. Even with Aaron uh, Shafaloff debating Kwaku, which we showed a few weeks ago, Aaron, the zeal, I mean, he was well-meaning and, and Kwaku took advantage of it, but Aaron was just, you know, and, and that's kind of that God in my estimation. So uh, diehard Calvinists can't help it. And... Um, they're easy to they're as easy to identify as a teenager who loves rap or 
Metallica or, or anything else. Very easy to, to identify. So I've mentioned in the past, but stay tuned because we have some exciting things coming forward that we're, going, we're trying to reach out into the unreligious world not people who are evangelicals or Mormons, but the people who are not religious in some new ways. And we'll talk about that as those days grow closer. But it's not going to change the fact that we have thousands of videos chocked full of what we believe is some pretty good content, except that first show. Don't watch it. Don't look at that at all. But, uh, you know, I was learning. But uh, And there's a few others don't watch. But we're cutting them up, too, and we're making them more concise. Wendy's doing that. We have over a thousand verse-by-verse teachings, 90-minute teachings through the apostolic record for anyone to enjoy and use freely. Nine books, which we think are chock full of information as well. Uh, The Word of God set to music, which goes a long way to helping bring the Word into your heart and soul. And then we continue to do these live weekly shows and verse-by-verse teachings of the same. Uh, Our request of you as our viewers is to pray for the ministry Uh, those involved in the ministry as you're led, not by command, not by constraint, not by making you feel good uh, or feel bad. You have to have the spirit move you to pray for us. And I would also ask that you would share the ministry with your family or friends or neighbors, other people that you know are seeking to kind of digest things that are in the faith. Introduce them to our YouTube channel and uh, our website. Someone's crawling around in the back. Larry, will you look to see who it is? We're still under quarantine here, and we just had a suspicious character crawling here, hopefully not armed. Um, Okay, uh, so we had a couple of emails I couldn't get to last week, and I said I would open the show up with them by reading them. And so, um, first, in response to our show about spirits, Winged Infinity wrote a heartfelt email, but what she says is, I think it's a she, it's really important relative to, um, to what we're doing on the show and what we talk about, okay? This is her comments, and, and I'm not picking on her, but I have to just take it. To the show, she wrote, sorry, this is not biblical whatsoever. That's her first line. Now, here we go. Right there. Enter in. This is not biblical whatsoever. That is such a major statement to say to somebody who does love the Bible and does teach it and does refer to it, that it's not biblical whatsoever. I mean, I probably maybe study the Bible as much as winged infinity or as much as James White or others. But to say, sorry, this is not biblical whatsoever. What I present, I really try to make it biblical, my sister, but it's the various interpretations that are not the same. So who's right? Who's right? Is it you? I think you believe you're the one who's right. Is it your tradition? Which tradition? Catholic tradition? Jehovah's Witness? Mormon? You know, Protestant, which Protestant? It's really an important thing because it's not just old, tired, rehashed argument. I mean, really, who has the right opinion? And amidst all the views winged, it really doesn't matter who has the right opinion. That's my point. Uh, Because we really can't tell. We all have them. 
what matters is who loves. And so I'm using your email to show this and prove it. And I'm trying to make this as clear that I think God knew this. He had to have known before we came up with a New Testament that what we call the New Testament, that there's going to be 10,000 views coming out of that book. He had to. And so I think it really is something that, of a litmus test for believers to say, yeah, I, I believe this way, I see this way, but I'm going to love. And I'm not going to let these views change me. She continues on and she says, Jesus Christ is part of the Godhead and as such is pure and holy. He is God incarnate. He is able to have complete compassion for us by experiencing all our pain, but he was sinless because he was in fact God on earth. The Holy Spirit is also pure and sinless. When fully in the kingdom of God, we will be able to manifest as complete spirit or human slash spirit as well. Sure. Why not? Fine and dandy. Most importantly, I love you. Most importantly. All that stuff, no idea. No idea. Your opinion's more valuable than mine, perhaps, but no idea. She says, right now we remain human in the flesh with a soul and a spirit. Our spirit is holy and pure as God, but our soul also exists and is connected to the flesh and therefore is corruptible. More importantly, Jesus was, is, and always will be a part of the Godhead and is not comparable to Adam. I differ with you. I think he was called the next second Adam by Paul for a reason. And, but so what? We all see through a glass darkly. Can you love me, winged? Winged? Can I love you amidst this? Can I show agape love to my LDS neighbor, to my atheist friend? Can I love? Can you love? Even when you watch a show that you don't agree with. If that doesn't come through by watching this show, then I'm a failure. That we have to, as Christians, love completely. The worst opinions in the world. God has hairy armpits. Someone might believe that. You gotta love them and let them believe it because we frankly don't know. Oh, people will rise up. He's a spirit. He can't have hairy When are we gonna embrace this and learn together, love together, differ in love? She then adds, what I implore you to do research on are the evil spirits whom exist and we do allow into our souls if we are aligning with Satan instead of God, which is actually quite common because we live in such a fallen world that uses much deceit and manipulation. Our souls are damaged on many levels by aligning with the enemy and unclean spirits. Use these soul wounds as portals that use these soul wounds as portals. When we reconcile with God and start to truly walk with him, these soul wounds get healed and we are much less vulnerable. It's a fantastic theory. It makes great sense that we have a soul wound that's gaping and bleeding and the demons crawl into it and get us. 
But I don't know if it's true. And, you know, you're going to say something in a minute after saying all this stuff, which is really interesting. But you go, girl. You have a heart for truth. You love Jesus. Go. Then she adds, recommendation, exclamation point. If your theory or anyone else's does not totally line up with scripture, dump it. It's useless and can be dangerous. Okay? That's what she says. She just said that we have soul wounds, that demons crawl in. (laughs) And she followed that up with, if your theory or anyone else's does not totally line up with scripture, dump it. It's useless and can be dangerous. That is code in religious dogma speech is if you don't agree with my interpretation of scripture, it's useless and, and, and get out of my way. That, that really is. And I mean that respectfully to you. I know you're, I know you're full of zeal and, and you believe this. And I know you believe the things you're saying. Because after you said if your theory or anyone else's does not totally, uppercase, line up with scripture, dump it. You wrote, Jesus always wins. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God coming back as a lion. Now, from my perspective, that line, Jesus, Lamb of God coming back as a lion, does not totally line up with scripture. In fact, it doesn't line up with scripture from what I see. So now we have you winged infinity and Sean McCraney at an impasse. You're going to staunchly say, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. I'm going to staunchly say, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. You might wind up calling me a heretic and not watching anymore. And I might wind up calling you a lunatic and asking you not to watch. And we'll part ways and then we live our lives and die. Or we could, stepping into the spirit of God and the fruit of the spirit, Respect each other. Love each other. Say, hey, ma'am, I know you believe that. You may be right. I may be wrong. But in the meanwhile, let me serve you. Let me help you. (coughs) Let me love you. Let me do what I can to be a person of God in your life, winged infinity. Okay? Offset her views. Sorry. (coughs) Aaron sent me an email that I thought was really insightful. I thought he was insightful. He said, Watch your shows, watched your shows on the spirits of God and Christ. Could it simply be that the spirit of God leaves people to be, leads people to be fair and just, and the spirit of Christ leads people to be merciful? Doesn't it make sense that the old covenant of law operated under the direction of God's spirit of fairness and justice and that the new covenant of love operates under the direction of Christ's spirit of mercy? Man, that is a great insight. I don't know if it's true, but I love what he's thinking there. And Aaron is a guy who writes in often, and I think he's onto something very important because perhaps there's something to that. We, people always talk about the God of the Old Testament, and then people all come up with their different theories and stuff. But we see a pretty wrathful, vengeful God. And when, then when Jesus comes, we see a pretty merciful, loving God. And then we see the fallout at Jerusalem with the wrath poured out upon them as it was promised. So, you know, there's all these thoughts, but that is a fantastic insight, I thought. Finally, got a couple of emails 
uh, and they are, I'm going to read it really quickly. This is from Bobby. I'm sorry, Sean, but damn, growing in faith doesn't mean to believe that you can be pro-LGBT and Christian. Second comment is uh, from Bobby. I honestly don't understand how you could be LGBT and Christian. So, okay. You're just going to have to bear with me for five minutes. Super common issue with Christians, largely because we're reading a book that they call the New Testament. And we are seeing and understanding the world through what it's describing. All right. And that was a time when the time that we're reading that when the apostles were writing was a time when Satan was still roaming about when uh, death, hell, Sheol were not overcome, unless you're reading Revelation chapter 20, uh, 21, 22. Uh, so that, that was still operational. So the question becomes, can you and I love as Christ commanded if we're still living under the things the apostles described in that age for the church, for believers? We cannot. You can't do it. Because to operate by most of those tenets, you have to believe that the bride of Christ that Jesus is coming back to take is still on earth. And if that bride is still on earth, she, according to Ephesians 5, must be unblemished, without spot, and pure. Has to be. Because when you read the New Testament, that is what the apostles are describing. The church being that way. And the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Somehow and simultaneously, you must also believe that most of Christianity on earth qualifies as without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. And that it under those standards of purity and righteousness, it is set apart from the rest of the world. And I get this opinion and this view because frankly, it's presented all through the New Testament, right? That was under the apostolic control and they were telling them, clean up your act, get ready because if you're not pure without spot and unwrinkled, you're not going to be saved at the, at the end of this age, which is coming upon you violently, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus tells them, listen, church at Thyatira, church at Sardis, church at Laodicea, church here, church there. I like you for this, but this thing I have ought with you and you better change it or you're going to be left behind, so to speak, when I come to take my little bride who is pure and clean and right under apostolic rule and, and leadership. It's laid out. And so that's why when we read that book today, we have people who say, treat the, treat the gays badly, excommunicate them, don't have fellowship with them. They're evil. They're hellbound. They can't be Christian. But the Bible that everyone quotes says so much more. But I very rarely hear anyone ever talk about the passages that come up so, so openly to me when we see them. And it tells us that that time of that little church age was going to end. 
The apostles asked Jesus, when will be the end of this age? And he described the signs to them. And that Jesus would take his bride as he promised he would, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it because of the abundance of the Holy Spirit upon her, because she had apostles that were guiding that church up to the very end, and because God and Jesus were protecting that little bride, absolutely, and that once he took her, material religion, which is shakable, would be shaken to the ground, done for, and God would start writing his laws on the minds and hearts of individuals. I mean, that's all biblical stuff. Hebrews chapter 12 talks all about God shaking everything in heaven and earth one more time until the only thing left cannot be shaken again, all right? And in this position now, we look at all people, all people as having been blessed by the victorious work of Jesus Christ on the cross, him dying and then resurrecting. We see that and then coming and taking his bride, which helps staff the new Jerusalem. That's what we have in scripture, right? And so um, each individual now from the past 2,000 years is responsible. Satan's been put away. We're going to talk about that next week on Monday night. Hell and the second death are done with because of Jesus' victory. And now every single individual is responsible for their choices, what they believe, the lives they live, who they're going to follow, who they're going to worship. God is calling to all. The Spirit is calling to all. And all have that responsibility to say, I rejected it or I accepted it. So we have no idea what's in the heart of an LGBTQ. We don't know, have any idea. Yeah, their outward lifestyle might not conform to what yours is, but we don't know if they love Jesus and they seek God. It's just their flesh that's, that's got them all bound up. But the flesh will always bind all of us up, including you, including me. I mean, think about this, Bobby. If you want to point a finger of how can you be a Christian to a gay or a lesbian or a transvestite or any of those things, how could you be a Christian? Look in the freaking mirror. I wonder how any of us could be Christians. We're freaking vile, dude, woman. We have corrupt flesh. And whether it is poking around with same flesh or with the opposite flesh, it's corrupt. How can anyone look at another person and say, you can't be a Christian? I don't understand how you could, because it's almost at the height of hypocrisy. When you don't, have any sin, then you are capable of saying gays cannot be Christian. But I mean, the mere fact we are also steeped in sin with our minds, our attitudes, our lives, our actions, it's by God's grace that anybody is. And we aren't Christians because of our behaviors. We're Christians because of our faith in Jesus Christ. That opens the door to LGBTQ that he died for everybody, including them. And they should have that message given to them that it has nothing to do with their sexuality. God will work that out with them when they receive him by his spirit and he's in them and working with them and they'll figure that out. And whether they overcome it or not is not your business, right? So try to see people through that lens as a Christian that 
one, we don't have any right to, to, to look down on anybody else. And I don't care who they are or what they've done. Because in reality, we are doing the same things. And if we're not doing it with our hands, we're doing it with our minds. I mean, we are. And, you know, I remember when I was LDS, in fact, it was at my excommunication when I was talking to the stake president in his office. He was ripping on me about something. You know, how could you be so, so vile? And, and I just said to him, You're, everybody on your high council is just as vile as I am. He was angry. How dare you say that? Because it's true, buddy. And you got to wake up if you think it's different. Just because they dress nice, live in nice houses, and, and, and look all great, they are vile as I am. Oh, he hated that. He hated it. But it's the truth. So let's go to uh, our emails for tonight. And we're going to try a new system here. Seth has just handed me a device, which is always dangerous. And on this device, we have your comments that are given to us in order that they've uh, come in. The last comment that was written is at the top. So strewn in these comments are some other shows that people have watched and commented on. So it might not just be from last week. And as I scroll through, look at what, look what happens on the screen. It scrolls through. It's the magic of septum. So Angela Adams says, how does one become saved? How are my sins forgiven? What do you have to do? I left the Mormon religion and I've discovered that I am at a loss for these answers. Please help. It's the, I, I, nothing lights up my insides more than, that, than these questions. And I am so grateful, Angela, for you asking them five hours ago. Your, how are your sins forgiven? They were forgiven. They are forgiven. It's a done deal. You got to understand that. When did Jesus die on the cross? For the sins of the world, according to scripture, 2,000 years ago. So that's when all the sins of the world were forgiven. Now, the question then becomes, what do you have to do? You have to believe this. You have to have faith that that's the case. You believe it and, and you say, I trust that God loved this world and he sent his son. He lived, he died, he resurrected. I believe that. That's the good news. And you believe on that good news. And what happens is God, in his wisdom, he gives you his spirit. The spirit of Christ, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. And your heart becomes a new place for God to live. He used to dwell in temples. He used to dwell in his son. He used to be with Adam and Eve. But he dwells with you because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Go to God quietly, wherever you want, nature, your car, your bedroom, while you're eating breakfast at a lodge, whatever that means. Go to God and give him your heart and just say, I, I want you to make yourself known in my life. And I want to know of this peace that you give because I receive your son in faith and wait for him. And he'll start to reveal things to you. He'll start to show himself. If he doesn't do it immediately, he will. Wait. In the meantime, open up the Bible. Read. The word of God will come in. It will enlighten your mind and your eyes. The way I describe it to people when they say, well, what is it like to be born again? What I say is 
look at we already are having a technical issue i tell them it's like you begin to see things differently you have the same eyes but the world seems different right you start to see like nature in a different way you start to understand things differently so understand that that's how god works in and through you and be patient and seek it he loves our god for some reason loves it when his creations seek him and they want fellowship with him and they wait for him and they he just likes it when we seek so that's what i would say to you and what am i where am i going to now he's wandered off with a device that i was trained on to use He's now looking at God knows what on that screen. It's been defiled by Beelzebub. <laughs> and here we go. Next question from Laura Odell. Seven hours ago, beautiful message talking about last night. Your teaching on love came at a time which changed the course on how I was to do God's will in a defining and critical situation in our lives. Agape love never fails. Thank you, Sean. May God continue to bless you, your sister in Christ. Laura, thank you. And I love what you echo here. And, and these are my sentiments too. Agape love never fails. It is the modus operandi of the Christian. Agape love. Not just love, agape love. And he will provide it to you. So I uh, echo those sentiments. Thank you. Uh, Maritza Lamb, I haven't seen you in a while, Maritza. It says, thank you for your encouraging words, Sean. I truly believe God put you in our lives to find truth, love, peace, but most importantly, joy. Thank you so much, Sean. Me and my family love you. Love you guys. Uh, say hi to your husband, Sean. Itty Biggie, three itty bitty piggies says, think, question mark. Question, question mark. Seek, question mark. Verify, question mark. But obedience is the first law of sheeple. Blind belief in authority is the greatest enemy of truth, said Albert Einstein. And I agree with that. Uh, not big on authority, except the authority of God himself through Jesus Christ. That authority I bow to. I will lay licking the dust of a cement floor for a year in front of that God. But to man, never. His authority is the only authority. And so I love what you had to say there. Cap Trouty, where do you guys get these names? <laughs> Cap Trouty? That almost sounds dirty. Oh, I got a bad case of the Cap Trouty. <laughs> I hope that's not your last name. Cap Trouty says, thank you, Sean. <laughs> and I thank you. Uh, Brandon David, he says something really nice here. And I have read this one. Says, I love Sean and have, a, have for a long time. While our views on the second coming may be different, Sean is a brother that I would happily serve beside till my work on earth is done. Many have abandoned him instead of prayer. Many have disagreed behind his back instead of calling to his show and dialoguing. If you don't have a person's view, give them an alternative. The impact of Sean's ministry is seen worldwide. The hammering of truth in his voice has broken the hearts and shattered the marred perspectives of countless of LDS and pseudo-Christian alike. And uh, so, Brandon, I appreciate that. And I, I, I do love 
you know, it's nice when people agree with you on things. That's always nice. We love that. But I love the fact, I love the fact that you disagree with me on eschatology and that you can still love me and that you can still receive me. And I do believe some things that are very different uh, outside orthodoxy, as you would say. But I thank you for letting that agape love come out through this program to other people's ears to hear. We can get along. We can do it. And you just have to lovingly shut an ear to the ones who aren't letting us. And let's grow a number of the people who say, I'm going to love. I'm a this, but I'm going to love, right? So thank you so much, Brandon, David, Mr. Magic Man, (laughs) the God of the New Testament. I love him, a.k.a. Jesus. I love God, but I need to know. Question, Sean, is the Lord God in the Old Testament really evil? Just a thought I had beside on a passage in the Old Testament where he said there is evil and God hasn't done it. Don't know uh, your question, but uh, uh, I don't think God is evil. The Lord God in the Old Testament is not evil. God is never evil. I think he's just misunderstood looking at the dispensation and the time of what he was dealing with with people under the law. But we have the fullness of God in Christ and what he did with God with us. And we saw what God is like in Jesus. So I think that that might help. Uh, Someone spoke about the Price of Truth episode, episode 349, which is available at heartofthematter.faith. And uh, it says, this is the show that got Sean kicked off cable TV. That was posted 17 hours ago. The Price of Truth. You're right. I went off. I went crazy on the first uh, Tuesday of uh, 2013. And it was that show that five days later, Greg Johnson uh, and the Pastors of the Valley got me removed from uh, live TV. And it's the best blessing I've ever had in my life because then I was free to really pursue things and God revealed himself. Um, Sean, someone wrote, Sean is not wrong like at all. Uh, <laughs> I am so wrong. I am so wrong. Do you know I can't even draw a straight line? I cannot for the life of me draw a straight line. That's how crooked I am. You don't want to, I am wrong on so many things. The point is, isn't who's right and wrong. The point is, are we opening up? Are we talking? And can you love in the midst of it? This is the goal. It's what we try to do at campus. And it's been an experiment. Uh, But can you do it? And that's what it's all about. Bobby Johnson says, oh man, that's just what I needed to hear. Talking about last night's show. Thank you. Vince S. says, we are one body with many parts. That is true. I love that passage. I saw an accident from one angle and my friends saw it from a different angle. Good point. You know, it's like all the five Indian guys who got around an elephant and were told to describe it. One described the tail, the the trunk, the ears, the schmeckle. Everybody's describing a different thing. And uh, that schmeckle wasn't in there. And uh, so, and they all said, this is the elephant, right? Now, People with certitude and demand dogma, they say, no, 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 none of that stuff. We have it. They don't have it. And that's what makes uh, our, our ministry a little bit different. Joel says, love your stuff, but this, I think you're way off on this. And that was talking about the Trinity. That's one of the, the, the holdout parts that really does divide us. And that's part of my problem with it, to tell you the truth, is that it 
is so divisive and it has been used by Christians to really lock arms. Um, I'm going to love my LDS neighbor with all the love I give my Christian neighbor and they believe in a God that I don't agree with. But by golly, if they say they follow Jesus Christ and they are out to love, I'm going to love them with that same love right back. And let's move past these denominational uh, and, and doctrinal boundaries that we've put ourselves in. So Eric Smith said the, es- the bean essence flavor is called God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have all the God flavor bean and are 100% God. The persons are just another colloquialism to give them a container. So there are three cups all full with water, basically. We are saved by God, Jesus, cup two plus water. The water is God and the cups are the person. Cup one isn't cup two, but cup one and cup two both contain the same essence, water. And I understand that, that I'm smiling because your thing is kind of funny, but you know, that is what they say, that there's one being, God, and there are three persons that hold, contain God. I don't disagree that Father, Son, Holy Spirit are God. That's not my problem with the Trinity. So I don't need to have those examples. I need someone to tell me, before the creation was, what did those beings look, what did those persons look like? I want to know that if I was the first human on earth, if I was Adam and Eve was by my side and she's a hottie and I look up to God and he reveals what he looks like before, I want to know what I'll see. What will I see? And Trinitarians say you will see the Father as one of those persons, one of those cups. You'll see Jesus Christ of of Nazareth as another cup. And you'll see the Holy Spirit as another cup. And the three make the one God. And that I cannot agree with. I'm sorry. That's where I differ with you. But I don't disagree. Disagree? I don't disagree with you on whether there are three persons and one God. Okay. uh, Book of Mormon blunders. Chastity coach gotta be kidding this the names alone are worth the discussion alma 510 does not say that so uh, perhaps i made a mistake in citing a, 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 a reference on alma 510 please forgive me uh sadie laner on the show called authority says um martin luther changed the world so much more than Joseph Smith could have ever dreamed of. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Someone says on screen, this guy needs to talk to your wife. I don't know. Who's saying that, operators? This guy needs to talk to your wife. God, man. Someone's smoking heroin tonight. Okay. Christian BS part four. Wendy is taking different shows and she's cutting them up and putting them on Thursday nights and they're getting just thousands of views. And that's a lot for us. 
Christian BS says, L. Mortar says, tell us how you really feel with a little smiley. You make a lot of good points. Looking forward to hearing more. This man sure doesn't like Calvinism, said Harkin O. Latter-day Saints. And I'm skipping those. Last night, uh, Jack from last night's sh- uh, last week's show, I think it was from last, yeah, writes, wow, what's, what a delight. The two calls from Brother Charlie and Brandon were amazing. Brandon's call really made me reflect that I've never seen two individuals regree- agree on every subject in the world. And if two people agree on everything, then one of them isn't thinking. I left the religion where the thinking has been done. In Christianity, I think God allows and even sometimes hopes we see things differently so it doesn't look like Christianity is just some fake conspiracy. I love that. Absolutely. That's why the Gospels are also different. Which is why the, account, which is why the accounts in the Gospels of Jesus are so amazing. I should just read what people say, right? It shows the Bible isn't made up by the apostles to create religion and control people, the masses. The fact that Brandon accepts you as a brother, even though there's disagreement in what Christian fellowship should be about. Sean, you mentioned Ravi Zacharias, God rest his soul. And one of the best things I ever heard him say was, it's okay to disagree, but try not to be disagreeable. What a great lesson for Christians today in the age of fulfillment. Thank you. Love you. God bless you. Uh, my, without any qualifiers, brother. And thank you. Another one that warms my soul, uh, Jack, that uh, there's people out there who are willing to try with all of our differences to just keep pushing that, that cart along of love and, uh, and get along with each other. Uh... Sadie writes, why should we be good if everyone is in the presence of God when they didn't believe during their life? Do they only not go to heaven when they deny Christ? Sadie, from my perspective, everybody is not with God after this life, but everybody goes to the reconciled heavenly place. In that place, there's a, there's a thing called the New Jerusalem. It's all spiritual. And that's where God dwells. But outside of that city, that new Jerusalem, that heavenly place, which Jesus and Luke and Revelation talks about, outside of it live all those other people who haven't accepted Christ, who have, who have denied him. Hell and the separate place has been done away with because of Christ's victorious work on the cross. Satan has been vanquished because of that. Our evils because of ourselves today, in my estimation. So I just want to clarify, clarify that. Not everybody is in the presence of God. Uh, it's only those who are his children, his sons and daughters, who become that by faith. Uh, living in the spirit world, hearken, O Latter-day Saints, says, I really love what you said about the Holy Spirit. And then old religion dystopian says, sorry to say, brother, but shape-shifting is real. I wish it was just my opinion or belief. You know what they say about assumptions. Anyways, I appreciate the hard work concerning the word. Um, I referenced shape-shifting uh, the other last show, I think it was. And uh, I said it was like some archaic, uh, old, wooded form of uh, you know, belief that 
Billy in the village turned into a wolf at night and ran, shapeshifted into a wolf and runs around. And yet, uh, old religion dystopia says shapeshifting is real. Old religion dystopia, write us and tell us how. I want to know how shapeshifting is real, how you know it, and that it's not just an assumption. Um, almost done. Fire in the sky. We have a lot of comments in this through this mode, Seth. Thank you. Fire in the sky says, Sean reaches out to people with pure love and intention who are searching to know God in Christ. Surely God, who knows Sean's seeking heart, will work through him as he sees fit. Thank you. I appreciate that because I think God does, and he corrects me often. Spread your own word as guided by God and let Sean spread his. In the end, God will shore things up and reveal to all what we do not comprehend in full. That's another, Christy Roberts, that's an excellent insight. And, you know, I can come off as arrogant and a know-it-all sometimes, I guess, especially in the old days, but uh, God has worked with me, and he slammed me to the mat face first, put me in a chokehold, and said, you're an idiot. You need to change your ways. And so he's done that slowly, progressively, and you guys have been patient with me uh, as that's happened. Uh, I don't have any calls. I think we're done with these comments. Except uh, Bobby Johnson said, oh man, the story from Charlie breaks my heart. But we're going to stop there. And um, we're 10 minutes early. Are there any calls? What does this mean? This guy needs to talk to your wife. (laughs) That's him. Someone just called in. Maybe that's who it is. Just get... Oh, <laughs> well, you can't just write these arbitrary. Is someone on the phone? My wife needs to talk to the butcher. We're taking a kind of casual waiting to hear if the person on the line. Well, let's take it. We're taking line one. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing? Am I on right now? You're on the air. Okay, that's good. This is Eric Jonas. Hey, um, I just got some encouragement online to call in. You know, forgive me if I'm off subject because I usually am. I go on a lot of tangents. I'm very manic. However, I was thinking about this. How can other people be saved if they haven't heard of Jesus Christ? Doesn't the Bible say, ye, ye repent, lest ye confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in thy heart, you shall be saved. And it's implied, if you try to find a way into the kingdom of heaven through another way, you are a thief. You're like a thief in the night. Uh, how do you say? How does with your theology? How can all be saved? As I wish and hope you are correct. Uh, if many people have never heard of the gospel, well, all are not saved because saved in that sense that you're speaking of, Eric, refers to living with God, being saved from hell, being saved from the coming destruction being saved from afterlife loss. So all are not saved, but all are reconciled. There's a difference. I have so never... They, okay, I have so I must have an inter- I, I, I know I probably went this before, over with you before, so I'm just have this uh, evangelical mentality that we have to save souls. Yeah, I know, and that's an evangelical mentality that I think still uh, should persist, persist because we're not saving them from 
uh, afterlife dis- uh, a coming destruction, first of all. We're not saving them from afterlife hell, fires of hell. We're not saving them from the lake of fire. But Christ has reconciled the world, and God is calling all for people to become sons and daughters. So we share Jesus, and the message is heard by those who are seeking truth, and they receive him. And they become his sons and daughters and live with him after this life. Those who don't want Christ, those who don't need him, will not be with him after this life. But doesn't it say somewhere, I hate to sound like the devil's advocate, ironically, on behalf of evangelicalism, um, that uh, where exactly uh, do we have the, uh, I mean, I'm not, we're not getting too much of the details, it's too complicated, but where can we actually prove that all are basically saved? Uh, which is what I want to believe, but I feel like like that's not biblical. That's why I get so much friction in my own mind. All are not basically saved. I just I just made that clarification. Saved is so very we different. Have, we, we do have to proselytize. No, we don't have to do anything. If the Spirit moves us, we share Jesus with seekers. And people hear the truth, and like Romans 10 says, they can receive it or not. That's why we share with people, Eric, because we want people to have the joy of Jesus here in their life and to become sons and daughters of God in the life hereafter, to live with Him. Exactly. What? That's what I like. But also, also, also too, uh, just to wrap it up, not to take too much time, uh, what about the part with the Calvinism? I understand how you reject the five points Calvinism, I too, but how do you argue against the part that says God cannot... Basically, if you accept Christ because God has already chosen you to draw near, you know, how do you, I never really understood that, because it's right there about God predestining us, which kind of goes against my ethos. Well, uh, when it talks about that in Ephesians, it's talking about the nation of Israel, and it's talking, Paul talks about us, when he says us in those passages, he's talking about Jews, and then he then he changes that language, and then he starts talking about you, which are the Gentiles. The Jews, they were predestined to do what they did. But you can't take those passages and use them and apply them to every person on earth. It doesn't work that way. So there must be a misinterpretation of it, which I've never really been corrected from the uh, Calvinists or the uh, Methodists and other evangelicals, uh, because it's all about proselytizing. I think there's kind of a tithing, hate to kind of insinuate, motive behind uh, vast recruitment. Could be, brother. Could be. Really appreciate you you. calling, brother. Thanks for calling in. That was a very ignominious goodbye. Well, you guys, we're out of time. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Let's keep this going and let's keep sharing this uh, gospel message like Eric brought out. Is it important? It's very important because it's by hearing the word that people know the truth. That's why we do the show. I am never saying, hey, don't share Jesus. No, because there's people seeking the truth. They want him in their life and God wants us to share him. And so the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the word being taught. Let's keep doing that, but let's do it in love. And let's just let the majors be uh, minors and let's the minors stay minors. They usually say don't major in the minors uh, and don't minor in the majors. Uh, I'm just saying, let everything be a minor. Let's let Christ be the king. Let's let his salvific work on the cross for the world shine out from us as a joyful thing. And let's reach people as led by the spirit, not by compulsion. He reigns. God is good. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.